All right, we are back. You know something I, I should have said about that Ari Graswich article about uh, the Raiders screwing with Sacramento was that um, they wanted a stadium to be built for them. Graswich notes that the price tag for the stadium alone would have been about $900 million. Now, you should keep in mind that they notes that neither the city nor the Raiders could afford the bill because Sacramento's entire budget, from cops to fire service to parks to water and sewage and garbage and everything else, was just under $1 billion. And if you're keeping score, the Raiders at that time were worth about $700 million. So building a $900 million stadium, well, stadiums are just a bad idea. Of course, don't tell that to the city fathers. We're building one right now as we speak. It should be open in two months. Let's start on their science piece. It turns out that people studying uh, lichen, I've always, I have to admit, been fascinated by lichen. They are a combination entity. They are part algae and they are part fungus. You've seen lichen everywhere on, you know, on old tree branches, old fences, etc., rocks. Well, the textbooks say that they're a lichen and an algae, but someone taking a closer look now with genetic uh, amplification, I guess, has discovered that it, there's evidence that there's another yeast-like fungus there. So apparently it's two fungi and an algae. That's what they're saying. When we know more, we'll report. Also was shocked to note that a new life has apparently been found in saliva. There's a fascinating picture in New Scientist magazine, July 2nd issue, of what looks, looks like a Mickey Mouse hat. But the main part of the hat is actually a bacteria, and the ears are a parasitic bacteria which live and are entirely dependent upon the larger bacteria. This sort of arrangement has turned up in human saliva. The tiny cells have gone undetected for decades, but appear to be linked to gum disease, cystic fibrosis, and antimicrobial resistance. These findings suggest that many other forms of parasitic bacteria could exist and be living inside of us. We just haven't been able to detect them until now. Roland Massenpichler of the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena said this microbe is clearly the tip of the iceberg. We know of only one other type of bacteria that can infect other bacteria, but that one, called Bidello vibrio, is a free-living cell that hunts down its prey. The newly discovered organism seems to be entirely dependent on its host, and the parasite appears to make its host more harmful to humans. Wow, ain't that a kick in the head. When they dig it, when they find the rest of the iceberg, we'll, we'll tell you more. Now, someone we intend to bring back on this program in the weeks to come is Steve Ferdine. He's a detective with the San Jose Police Department, or at least Steve used to be. Uh, I know him from being a childhood pal. We spoke with him uh, one time on the show a couple of years ago. He, on his website, makes a point to honor policemen who have fallen in the line of duty. Uh, sad to note, with the news items of the past few weeks, um, Steve's had a lot to report on. Now, listening to NPR a few days ago, I note there was, uh, there was a, uh, I believe it was Michael Krasny's show. They were talking about what some people on the right are saying, which is that these police shootings uh, can be traced back to people influenced by the overheated rhetoric associated with the Black Lives Matter movement. Some people have been pointing out that for all the talk about those who have died, in fact, I guess at the Republican convention, um, 
they had a, a black sheriff come out and talk about, he made the claim that um, these police shootings were directly traceable back to Black Lives Matter. I think that's a controversial statement to make. But in discussing that and the problem we have with, with our inner cities, um, it was pointed out that black activists have not been addressing the fact that the heavy toll being taken on black youth of, of dying from violence, um, usually from, often from gunshots, and usually from other black youth, has not been a major point of discussion in the Black Lives Matter movement. That does, I think, raise some eyebrows and is worthy of discussion, and I think we'll try and do that with Steve. I'm looking at some old data I have here from, from The Economist magazine from September of 2014. They did note then that black Americans are 13% of the population, but are over 50% of America's murder victims. Among black men between 20 and 24, the murder rate is over 100 per 100,000. If this group were a country, it would be more violent than Honduras, the world's most violent nation. And the magazine noted that perpetrators in America tend to look like their prey. Less than 20% of murder victims are killed by someone of another race. Translating that back into English, that means at least 80% of young black men being murdered are being murdered by other black men, generally. It's an issue we need to talk about as a nation, and um, I, I don't want it to be that the only people that are even mentioning these facts are, you know, a bunch of right-wing cranks. One um, really sad aspect of, of, of the legal travails of, of Mr. Bill Cosby, who who seems at this point to be just, you know, I mean, the, the number of women now, what are they, 60, 60 or 70? I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's astronomical, the number of women who have come forward telling the same sordid tale of being abused by Mr. Cosby. One of the saddest parts about this is that Bill Cosby was openly challenging the black community to do better. This wound up doing was irritating a lot of people, including one comedian who didn't want to be lectured to by Bill Cosby, saying this guy's a serial rapist. And oddly enough, it was this comedian's effort that has gotten this gotten this whole question jump started. And yes, it is sad to note that in in many cases the statute of limitations has expired and they can't charge Cosby with a crime because too much time has transpired. That ain't right. It's also pretty horrifying to note as an aside that Cosby is now suing to get his settlement back. Some <laughs> one, one woman he, he came to an agreement with that, you know, pay you X amount of money, now you shut up. Now that she's come forward and said, well, you know what, I have to speak out about what happened. He's saying, all right, all right, fine, give me my money back. And what do you think, dear listener, about the uh, decision by the NBA to pull the All-Star game from North Carolina because of its bathroom law? Now, personally, this correspondent cannot stand basketball. Just cannot stand even thinking about it, talking about it. Uh, just not interested in the subject at all. So that's why I'm asking you, you basketball fans, does this make sense? Now, we'd have to agree, this is kind of a crazy, crazy law in a way. Because, you know, let's say you're in the men's room somewhere in North Carolina. And, and let's just say Caitlyn Jenner uh, has to answer the call of nature. It, it actually doesn't seem reasonable to force her to come in and use the urinal, does it? But 
let's just say we roll the clock back and, and Caitlin still looks like Bruce used to look like, say, 10 years ago, and you're in the ladies' room. Would you want Bruce slash Caitlin to come in and share the facilities with you? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to this, but I, I, just, I just shake my head. But I guess I shake my head over is how polarizing this is and how both sides are just so convinced that, uh, you know, the other side is, is immoral and wrong. Now, a headline I always find uh, somewhat, you know, disturbing is uh, one that says, Regions home prices climbed a nine-year high, which was, uh, which was a page one headline in the, in, in the B last month. It turns out this correspondent may be taking advantage of that, and there's a possibility I could be selling my home in Sacramento in the near future, which would be nice to fetch a high price for it. But this whole thing, I mean, didn't we learn anything back in 2008? These boom and bust cycles, these, uh, the, the, these you know, overheated uh, um, cyclical bubbles we go through. I mean, someone makes a million dollars, and then someone gets left hold on the bag. You just want to be the former, not the latter. I don't know. I was sort of shocked to see a piece uh, from earlier this year talking about new home sales rising. And note that um, a gentleman who was uh, profiled in, in, the, in, the mag, in, in the newspaper who had just bought a 900-square-foot condominium at the mill at Broadway paid $343,000. Boy, no wonder the younger generation wants to rent. It is curious to note there has been a change since 2008. All the building back then seemed to be single-family homes, three bedrooms, two baths in the suburbs. Now projects all look different, said the president of the North State Building Industry Association. I was also stunned to read in, in this piece that um, nine ho- homes at the Cannery in Davis sold for an average of $1 million this year. The Cannery has been billed as a farm-to-fork community where top-end homes are 3,700 square feet with up to six bedrooms, five baths, three-car garages, solar-powered systems, blah, blah, blah. It was noted that most of the buyers there are doctors, attorneys, and other professionals from Sacramento who like Davis's schools and lifestyle. Tell you what really hits me between the eyes on this is that um, I used to work at the Hunt Wesson Cannery at this site. I mean, we churned out a lot of tomato paste, a lot of ketchup, a lot of products, and it employed an awful lot of people. Um, I don't know where they're, where they're bottling ketchup in California now, and I think that in the future I'm going to have to do a little uh, investigative journalism to find out where all the tomatoes are going. But you certainly can't see where real estate weasels can make a fortune by buying something uh, and um, building on it. I'm reminded of my days back working in, you know, the canning and bottling industry where <laughs> I remember my boss was raving about some new law, proposed law that would require uh, them to do recycling of, of bottles and, and, and cans and, and uh, boy, the grocers that were going to sell these things and make money on it were really unhappy about it. And fast forward to today, hundreds of recycling centers are closing. This is potentially, of course, a huge problem. How are we going to recycle if there's no recycling centers? Um, article in the Beat quoted Aaron Moreno, lobbyist for the California Grocers Association, saying grocery stores should get some kind of relief because this is a situation where we literally did nothing wrong. Now, apparently, these recycling centers get subsidized by the state, but the grocery stores, of course, are not too happy about having these facilities park in their parking lots. 
why do we buy a bottle of Coke and drink the, you know, bucks worth of sugar water in it and then take this glass bottle, this beautifully constructed piece of hardware that could be reused over and over again and throw it in the landfill? Or, in theory, break it down, recycle it, remelt it, make new bottles, but this whole the move toward you know non-recyclables has been a very bad thing. Not, of course, for the companies that make plastic, but I think for just about everybody else. Boy, and to march back into the whole housing thing, it's kind of funny that an uh, article in the New York Times last month notes that some people in the San Francisco Bay Area are rooting for a tech slowdown because as Silicon Valley roars ahead and they're bringing people into the area and there's a huge housing crunch going on there, too. New York Times piece notes that the consequences of people who do not make their living from technology are increasingly unpleasant. San Francisco's bulging at the seams, adding about 10,000 people a year to a record 852,000 in 2014. A one-bedroom apartment goes for $3,500 a month, the highest price in the nation. And for every person who moves to San Francisco, another two start commuting to work there. Traffic is down to a crawl. The average afternoon speed on the roads feeding the highways has dropped 20% in the last two years. And I got to tell you, I have seen this. I'm sure that has something to do with the fact that we see mysterious traffic jams here on Highway 80 headed toward the Bay Area. Uh, on weekends, middle of the week, you can't even predict them anymore. It's bizarre. And yet, it's funny. There seems to be no sense from anyone that something has to be done to slow down California's crazy, rampant growth. Do we want to have uh, a situation uh, where we have a population density like Japan? We won't, of course. That's hyperbole. Japan is slightly smaller than California, and yet has a population, what, three times that? We're not going to get there. Well, at least I don't think we're going to get there because we don't have enough water. Of course, we could get there if we started diverting the water from agriculture and where it's wasted, growing alfalfa out in the Imperial Valley and use that to build more strip malls in Fresno. But I don't, somehow I don't think that's what we ought to do. But I just have to ponder how it is economists cannot figure out a way for people to be better off, to have more money, to have more things, to be happier by not increasing the number of people you have in an area. Any economist out there, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com and let us know what you think. But anyway, back to San Francisco. Some people are saying it's time we have a moratorium on growth. And, you know, don't, aren't we at that point? I mean, how bad can traffic be? We can't build 13-lane highways and we don't have enough water. And if, we, and if we put that many people in the Central Valley, which has got to be the world's best smog trap, we're going to be killing people with air pollution. Anyway, enough of that for now. Let's balance that off with some good news. Apparently it's true. The Indian tiger population is growing strong in the last decade. It's said to note that a century ago there were 45,000 tigers in India. The world population is down to 1,600 in 2006. But uh, they think that has more than doubled at this point. Uh, they're making a comeback thanks to some protection and, uh, well, we applaud the efforts of all who have made that happen. But uh, to swing back into some depressing news, I, I was really stunned to hear about this Pokemon Go craze going on. 
I saw a post on Facebook where someone was talking about it. I didn't know what it was. I asked my office manager. He showed how you could basically pull up our office using this GPS phone technology, and then this cartoony thing would appear, which you're going to try and capture, which I think all of you know a lot more about this than I do. And uh, that's fine because I don't really want to know anything about it. I just find the fact that thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people are playing this thing or addicted to this thing is just maybe a sign that maybe maybe the end is near. All right, let's let's not talk about Pokemon animals. Let's talk about real animals. Um, and, and of course, you know, who hasn't pondered the question of whether pigs are sensitive to magnetic fields? Well, new scientists asked. Which way is north? Well, just ask a pig. They seem to sense the Earth's magnetic field, a finding that could help us win the fight against feral animals, that they're saying. Uh, the magazine quoted Pascal Mollenkemper. There's a name for you. Pascal Mollenkemper at the University of Dulzburg-Essen, Germany. He and his colleagues made a discovery by observing more than 1,600 wild boars in the Czech Republic, which I guess they're now calling Chechia. Anyway, they observed these boars and 1,300 warthogs in Africa and estimated the direction each animal was pointing. I'm sure using GPS and, you know, maybe drones, I, I don't know. But it turns out they do tend to line up with the north-south axis. This has been observed previously in cattle. So could it be that animals are just much more sensitive to the Earth's magnetic field than we know? Perhaps we too have the rudimentary ability, at least some of us do. I know some people there's just no hope for. But they note that, you know, wild pigs can you know, migrate over 50, 50 kilometers. So, you know, having a magnetic map of the landscape certainly could help you find your way. Research continues. And how about this little bit of animal research? <laughs> apparently, apparently, if you don't want to get bitten by mosquitoes, you should hang out with hens. Supposedly, malarial-carrying mosquitoes seem to avoid the odor of chickens, according to fresh research. And uh, it's thought that isolating the compounds involved may lead to new ways of repelling the life-threatening pests. This comes from a, an article in the journal Malaria. And evidently, I missed that on the first go-through because uh, I, I, I apparently let my subscription to Malaria lapse. But you know, doggone it, all they would talk about was malaria. Yeah, malaria this, malaria that. A guy gets tired of it. All right, at this point, I think we should take a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. We'll be back with more in just a minute. <laughs> 